So, Happy New Year. Uh, It is the beginning of a new year for the Christian church. This is year C. As you remember, we we have a a three-year rotation, year A, B, and C. Uh, This year will be C. And our uh, gospel reading, in other words, all three of the years focus on one of the gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke. Year C is Luke. All right. So uh, go with me to Luke chapter 21, and this is where we'll find... Uh, our scripture reading for today, which is our gospel reading, which in fact we stand for. So if you would, just go ahead and join me in standing to hear the reading of the Word of God. And this is Luke 21, um, 25 through 36. Hear these words, this is the Word of God. And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth, Distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place... Straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus, thank you for your word. Would you, by the power of your spirit, apply your word that lasts forever in this room, we pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a strange way to begin Advent, isn't it? Did you catch this apocalyptic sounding montage from, from Jesus here? I thought uh, at first when I read for the, uh, the lectionary readings, I thought, I think they've got the wrong text. This should be happy about a baby and all of this, and yet this is exactly the text for today, and this is exactly the message I believe that we need to hear in this place. I mean all of you, all of us, we need to hear this, and it's troubling, and it should be troubling. Is this the beginning? Is this the end? It's hard to tell from this text, isn't it? Is he talking about this generation, or that generation, or our generation? That's the last one? And here we are at the end of our calendar year, 
according to the Gregorian calendar, but at the beginning of our Christian year of our lectionary. And so it's a confusing time. And I think that's okay to sit in. Because Jesus is both, the scripture says, the beginning and what? The end. He's the A and the Z and everything in between. And this text here, our gospel reading, is going to point us in this direction. And that is something simple. And it's this. There's three advents. When we talk about beginning, you know, like, you know, this, this season of Advent, we're really speaking to three different Advents. Now, we talk often of two, and you already know these, right? The first coming of Jesus, the first Advent as a baby in a manger to live a sinless life, to suffer, and then to die and be resurrected and ascend back to God. That's the first Advent. And then we don't see him. He disappears where? Into the clouds, right? Do you see this motif? Into the clouds. And in, and in the, the second advent that we speak of is him again. Where? Coming in the clouds, right? So the last time anyone saw the risen Lord himself in his glorified body, as it were, was in those clouds on that day when he ascended and gave us the great commission. That was the last time. But the next time. And maybe it's today. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's our kids' generation. He'll again appear where? In the clouds. And you say, well, you skipped one. Yes, because the third advent is this. He must come, not just the first time, not just the last time, but to your heart. He must be born in you. He must bring his kingdom inside. It's not just something we believe in. It's something that must be within us. And the scriptures teach as much. So, what we're going to do is take a look back, take a look around, and then take a look forward. Now, when we look back, well, and, and by the way, you know, in preparing this, I really want to preach on all three of these texts. In fact, all four, counting the, the psalm. But I'm just going to be brief, and I'm not going to preach on each one, even though I want to get lost in Jeremiah as soon as I mention him. What a prophet. What a prophet who has a call on his life, like the other prophets most of the time, who says, yes, you're my guy. You're going to be my guy. And he's, all right, cool. I'm God's man. All right, now I want you to go and I want you to preach and I want you to teach and give your life to a people that are never going to respond. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. And Jeremiah watches the deterioration of Judah, the southern kingdom, all the way to its final demise when a pagan king known as Nebuchadnezzar comes in and raises the temple to the ground, destroying it completely, and exiles the people of God. And Jeremiah was taken captive and probably martyred by his own people. That was after, of course, he was thrown into a miry pit and stuck in the mud to die in a well. That was his ministry. 
And I think this is why when Jesus comes and asks his disciples, you remember, all three Gospels record it, but only one of them records this piece, and that is, who do people say that I am? And they offer up several things. One of them consistently is John the Baptist, which again, you know, pretty gnarly dude. But one says, Jeremiah. Now, why in the world would Jesus be compared to Jeremiah? I think they had a similar calling. Here's the Son of God, God, Yahweh, the great I Am, the, the Lord of hosts. He comes and yet he is rejected in his own time. Just like Jeremiah. He is persecuted by the religious people of his day. They didn't want to hear it. And, like in our text, he's often the bearer of bad news. Jeremiah, you know, he even says in his book, he says, you trick me, Lord. You trick me. You call me to this thing, and you trick me. I'm a byword or a nickname in the homes of all of Israel because every time I come around, all I have is bad news. And he says, but if I try to quit, the word of God is in me like a fire. I cannot keep it in. I have to speak it. And I think people saw that in Jesus. Jesus in front of a big crowd, everybody's thinking, man, there's 10,000 or more people here. It's time to, it's time to go. Like, we got the crowd now. We got the resource. We got the money. We got the talent. Let's go. And Jesus says, all of you came just to get fed. You talk about throwing a wet towel on the fire. And they begin to depart. And if that weren't enough, then he says, if you drink of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part with me. And many departed from him. He suffered, and Jeremiah suffered as well. When we look back at Jesus' first coming, he didn't come into a room and everybody knew that he was the Son of God. There weren't angels singing in the background. He didn't have a halo hanging over his head. He looked as if he was a regular man. He was clothed in the flesh. All of that glory, the living God, the historical Jesus that walked in our world. That, by the way, you date your birthday to? All of time centers on Jesus Christ. But we also see, even further back, a whole train of people, don't we? Who were looking for that first coming? In the same way that we're looking for the second coming in the clouds, they were looking for the first coming, weren't they? Do, do you remember some of these people? Hebrews 11 helps us out here. I'm going to use my cheat sheet. Cain and Abel. Off, Cain, uh, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice as he looked to the one who was going to be the perfect sacrifice. Who is our righteousness as we just proclaimed with our own mouths. 
Remember Enoch? He was taken because he pleased God. This is the kind of family we're in, friends. This is not some podunk family of Christianity, backwoods people that don't know much. If somebody told you that, they haven't read the history of the world, nor have they read the biblical history of Israel. Notice these people. Think of Noah, who through godly fear condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness. Think of Abraham, who obeyed when he was called, as soon as he was called, not even knowing where he was going, because he was looking for a city not made with hands. Think of Sarah, who believed and was given the promised child from a barren womb. Think of Abraham again, where he was tested and offered up Isaac, his precious gift from God, and he gave it back to God, the child. And yet, and here's, here's, here's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. He goes, by the way, the reason he did that was because he believed in resurrection. Do we? Or is this life all there is? If this life is all there is, then yeah. Go make your money. Like, don't waste your time coming to church. Goodness. Gee whiz. Being nice to people? No. We've got you only have a few more years. And you're done. If that's the end, then so be it. But it's not the end, friend. There's more to this. These looked for a kingdom that was not of this world. Not from this world, but in this world. Already being instituted. Think of Jacob and think of Joseph and think of Moses. Think of Jericho falling. Simply by worshiping God. Think of Rahab who was saved. Because she believed even though she was outside of the the house of Israel. They subdued kingdoms, we're told. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. This is our family. Turned to flight armies. Received their dead. Raised to life again. They were tortured, the scripture says. Given trials of mockery and scourgings. Put in chains and imprisoned. Stoned to death. Sawn in two. Tempted and slain with the sword. Wandering, but not lost. (laughs) Destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of which the world was not worthy. Does that sound like your family? It is our family. And when we look back. To those who waited for that first promise. For that first advent. That's the family line that we're born into. We need to start living up to that. Pushing back the darkness in our own corner of the world. It might not seem like much, but it's a lot when you do these little acts of kindness. Simply tip somebody $20 when it should be three. Lay a card down. Jesus loves you. What could that do? What could God do from our little bitty gifts? You remember what he did from two fishes, right? A couple loaves. He can do a lot. But not if we're stingy. Not if we're unwilling 
to give of ourself. What is there to use? No, we come from a rich tra tradition. We have a wonderful family that we're born into. And guess what? God is creating that same family right here at the local level. That's what he does. That's what church is. He's carrying that same tradition where people one day will say, yes, those people held the line. And because someone spoke some words to me or because this was even here with a sign up, because of some act of kindness on a Tuesday at the end of November this very week offered to people that aren't in that are, are mentally incapable of living life on their own with assisted living with us offering just something that the world's not even paying attention to do you think that God could change the world through things like that he absolutely does that's what he specializes in little seeds our weaknesses, not the strengths, not the things that we can do, but the things that we can't do. And let me tell you something that we can't do. We can't change a human heart. We can't change our heart. God has to do that. And he can. And he wants to. And he wants to use your hands and feet to do it. That's what we see when we look back in this train of Jeremiah. Yes, the days are coming. The Lord is our righteousness. He's the righteous branch that came from a dead tree. God cut down the tree of Israel. And from it, there was just a little sprig. But that was enough to bring about the Messiah. And he snuck into our world. And that's what we celebrate on the first advent. Well, when we look around now to Jesus' coming to us, you say, how does that play into in, it? Well, it plays in, into it like this, right here in this room, an ordinary room with ordinary people. That's where God makes his presence known every single week. He tells us as much on the Lord's day. That's when we gather as Christians. Like that is a, a thing that's not going to change. Put it in your calendar. Work it into your schedule. Put it into the rhythm of your life so it's like clockwork. It's what we do as the people of God. You say, why? Well, because it's the mystical body of Christ. That's why. What do we mean by the mystical body? We mean Jesus' very words that we are the body of Christ. We are. You say, we are? Yes, we are right here. We're the body of Christ. What does that mean? It means that he, when we're gathered together, he's going to be in our midst. He promises it. And we believe it. We prayed it in that room just a few minutes ago. And I know he's here. And he's here not just to say hi, but he's here to change lives. He's here to give hope. He's here to transform. You know, just like you can't know me apart from my body, so too you can't know Christ. It won't happen. 
You can't just go to the woods. You can't just do it by yourself. He is the one who instituted his body for the church to be the ecclesia, the gathered community. And guess what? We're obeying him. We're being his body this morning. And when we embrace one another in love, when we sing words, when we confess with our mouth, when we take the food and put it in us, we are doing what he has commanded us to do. And it feels good to obey, doesn't it? It does. It's good for the soul. Because he's Emmanuel, isn't he? What that, does that word mean? Emmanuel. God with us. God is with us. And that's quite a paradox when you really start thinking about it. And one of the reasons I love to teach about other religions is because it clarifies how beautiful the gospel of God is. He is not a God made up in a human mind. Notice, it makes sense that we come to God. That makes a lot of sense. Not that God comes to us. But our God does, doesn't he? It makes sense that we climb our way and work our way to God. That makes a lot of sense, you know? And we even feel that when we've messed up, we, we, we want to make penance. Not that God descends to us. But that's the good news. We can't climb high enough. We can't build a building large enough. There's no amount of resources that are great enough to work our way to God. But thankfully, he has come down to us. It makes sense that we sacrifice for what we've done. Not that God sacrifices for what he has not done. But he does, doesn't he? This baby, we just sang it, was born to die. Born a sacrifice. What grace. What salvation. Do not forsake it. Do not trample on it. Do not ignore it. Last night I was burning some, uh, some leaves. And with Baylor. And um, like wood, there comes this moment where fire and wood or fire and leaves, you've seen it before, they start glowing, right? I mean, it's super hot in there and it should be burning up. But instead, it's just glow. It was like these glowing leaves. It was super cool. I don't, it, try it at home sometime, okay? It's fun. And even a coal, if you think about it, is, is got... It has fire in it. And there's a whole science to this, okay? I'm not going into that. I'm not a scientist. But fire and wood become one. It's not burned up. And it's just a brief image, because it will burn up. It's a brief image of what I think Moses saw at the burning bush. Here's this bush that is on fire. And the fuel of the fire should have been the bush, and it wasn't. Because this is God's divine fire. And God's divine fire is his Holy Spirit. And just as Jeremiah said, there's a fire in my bones, so too there can be a fire in your soul 
who is the Holy Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit is on fire in your life, no one will have to beg you to read your Bible, to pray, to consider others, to join in and bear one another's burdens. No one will have to knock down your door because you won't be able to sit still. You ever been around a fire? Woo! You got to move. There's no way you can sit still when a fire is raging. And I am convinced, dear friends, that our area, that some of you in this room need the fire of God deep in your bones. Who is the Holy Spirit? There's no amount of convincing on my part. There's no amount of arm twisting and badgering on our part as a church to try to get you to do this or get you to do Listen, when there's a fire burning, you're the one knocking down the door. Think of those boys in Babylon. You remember? They were thrown in the furnace. <laughs> Let's just get rid of them. Burn them up. Stupid boys won't bow down to my statue. Instead, who joins them in the fire? This fire that the scripture says when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. You know why? Because there's a greater fire than what we experience here. There's a spiritual fire. And it's one that purifies the heart, purifies our nasty thoughts, purifies our dirty attitudes. It purifies, but it doesn't burn up. <laughs> it's what we call holiness, which, which is what the Thessalonians reading is. Mm. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound. Now, again, I want to stop and preach all about Thessalonians. It's the first book probably written, period, okay, in the New Testament. It's probably the earliest document we have. Not only that, the Thessalonians are doing really well. If you read the first part, Paul it's, it's one of these books where he's writing to people who are, he's like, man, you guys are loving people. You got hope. You, you got faith. Hallelujah. And listen what he says. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And he's the one who says at the end of his book, he who calls you, he's what? He's faithful to do it. He will do it. Let him start that good work in you. It doesn't matter where you're on the spectrum right now. Maybe you're behind the curve, off the curve, wherever you are. Get this, start today. Invite the Holy One into your heart. Because that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do, isn't it? Make us holy. It's in his name. <laughs> we're reading in our devotions uh, with the kids, we're reading through Leviticus. So pray for us. Um, <clears throat> if you read Leviticus, there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of fire. 
There's a lot of duties and operations and clothes and it's all important. And again, I'd love just to park here and spend 30 minutes with you explaining some of what I've learned recently about this book. But we ran across something the other day and it was this. The priests are told that the fire, and you remember, they dedicate the tabernacle, the fire comes down and it starts burning. And they are told never to let the fire go out. Right? You remember this? And every morning, one of the main duties of the priest was to wake up early and guess what? Stoke the fire. And so we in our, our, our little time, we've, we've been saying each morning, have you stoked the fire? Have you stoked the fire this morning? Because we too, aren't we? Task that when God's fire comes, some of you know what it's like to be absolutely in love with Jesus and you're not anymore. You're just not. For whatever reason, a malaise, depression, anxiety, fear. It's all sorts of things that happen. Listen, I know. <laughs> we got to stoke the fire. Every single, even if it's just a little bit burnt, we've got to tend the flame in our life. Are you doing that? Every morning, stoking the fire. Listen, there's some seasons of our life that are dark, like winter. <laughs> I'm just coming out of one of those, and I'm finally in the clear. And even though we're actually coming into the season of winter proper, I'm in the season of spring. I've got new life that's flowing through me because I, 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 I'm out of the fog. And I am so thankful to God because it was not my doing. It wasn't a book I read. It wasn't some kind of coaching that I've had and paid for. It wasn't through counseling. It wasn't through groups or bands. It was through Jesus Christ himself, even though I used all of those things as avenues to keep the fire burning. If you're in a dark place, you need to start throwing everything to the resources of asking God to light a fire in your heart. Only he can change the human heart. I wish I, wish I had the power to do that. I don't, I, I'd, I'd be slamming people up against the wall, you know, slaying people in whatever. I'd do what it took. I'd stay here all day. It's not the way it works, friend. He has to come to your heart. It's not, enough, it's not good enough that he came to mine. It's not good enough that he came to all these thousands before us in our family. He has to come to your heart and rule and reign there. He has to conquer your anxiety, your fear. And I'm here to tell you that he can do it. I've watched him do it. Jessica could stand up right now and give you testimony in her life of something we prayed for for years and years and years. And he can do it when we least expect it. We've almost given up on it. He can do it. He can do it. He will do it is what Paul says at the end of Thessalonians. You see... When we look around right now, 
there's plenty of signs that he is Emmanuel. You say, I don't know. I hear there's a, a new variation of COVID coming around. I hear there might be lockdowns. I hear I might have cancer. I hear I have medical problems. I hear I have debt problems. I hear I have relational problems. <laughs> I get all that, truly. And I'm compassionate toward it, honestly. But there's enough signs for us to keep moving forward. And you know what? You're going to get hurt. You get close to people, you're going to get hurt. You love people, you're going to get hurt. It took me a long time before I got hurt, like really hurt. You know, they say there's a difference in just being hurt and injured. I was injured. Like, bad. And sometimes you got to keep moving, dragging some of that stuff until he heals you. Or maybe, like Jacob, you'll limp for the rest of your life. Like Paul, you'll pray for the thorn to be taken. But it won't. we got to keep moving, friends. We're a journeying people. We're not, we're not parking and, and sitting still. No. We're headed to a city not made with hands. We're a part. We're sojourners. We're part of a kingdom of not of this world. And there's signs everywhere. You, and you know what signs do, right? Signs point us, don't they? You know, like El Baño, you know. That's an important one. Laboratory, that's an important one. But when you see the sign, that's not where you do the deed. You follow me? Signs point us to where something is happening. Signs instruct us, right? Warning, hazardous material. There's a sign at the Grand Canyon that says, loose gravel, don't get near it. I know because my brother, he was standing right beside it. Hmm. Taking a nice gander at the Grand Canyon when he was a kid. Not recently. I, I recently, this past, when I, when I was on our, my sabbatical, we went and I found that sign. L literally found that sign and took a picture of the very place where I was scared to death when I realized. I said, hey, Daddy, that sign says loose gravel, imminent death, and it showed a guy, you know. <laughs> And Justin's literally standing right beside it. <laughs> My father grabbed him and pulled him back. And for some of you, I can see you, and you're standing right there, wavering on the precipice of, the dark, of darkness, of spiritual death. And I want to pull you back, but I don't want to scare you either. You know, you yell at somebody and... <laughs> Not good. No amount of yelling is going to do it. Our Father needs to rescue us. And He's willing to do that if we'll turn to Him. Not shake Him off, but turn to Him. I, I hope you will. There's no better day than today. The evidence is all around us. <laughs> you say, I don't know. Well, Billy Graham put it simply a long time ago. It's always stuck with me, always been powerful for me. As he said, um, he said, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You can't see God, but you can see the effects of God everywhere. The fact that you've got a brain can reason. Laugh. We laugh. 
Laughter is not something animals do. Not even a laughing hyena. They don't do it. They're just making a noise that we say is like laughing. We laugh. No amount of stupidness makes my dog laugh at me. Now, if you saw some of the stuff I did, like me on the roof yesterday putting up lights, you would be laughing. My dog doesn't do anything but run and bark. The scripture says, stand up, raise your heads. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, no. (laughs) They'll never pass away. They'll never, ever, ever pass away. So when we look forward, we know we're going somewhere. That's the good news. We're not in a cyclical cycle. You know, all the myths, all the mythical religions, they all have a a cycle of life that is never ending. It never had a beginning. It never has an end. Now, it has beginnings and ends, but they just do it again, just like the day does, right? Because myth is based on nature, and nature gives us morning and evening and morning and evening and morning and evening and morning. For as far back as we can remember. So that must be the way time goes. No. No. We're moving somewhere. We're on a chronological line here. We're on a linear line where it had a definite beginning when God spoke from his own mouth and created everything out of nothing. And it will have a definite end. It's called the second advent. And when I say it'll be the end, I mean capital T-H-E, end. The end of a movie. What, what in, the, in the movie business they call the denouement. You familiar with that term? The time where you don't really think everything in your show is going to get wrapped up and you're looking and saying, hang on, we only have three more minutes. How in the world is it? Ah, an event happens. All the things that were loose ends are gathered up. A character is presented and makes sense. There's the story. Wow. Wow. That's the denouement. Christ is our denouement. He's the one who's going to tie up all the loose. We, we look at the world now and we know things are not right. Like if, if you didn't know before 2020, you know now. Jesus says there's thunders and rumblings and storm clouds circling. Signs of the end. And that's our text that that Advent gives us is this apocalyptic announcement. But the good news in it, notice, we're to be like a tree. Sounds like Psalm 1, doesn't it? Planted in the water of the Holy Spirit. So that so our source does not come from Omicron or whoever this new variant is. I can't even remember the name of it right now. Um, I read it this morning and forgot it. But it doesn't matter what, what type of cancer you have or illness you've got facing you or, or, or family members that sideways or, or, or neighbors that hate you or whatever it is, friend. We can walk humbly before our God and know that he is the source of our life, not ourselves. This is the air we breathe. 
This is the food we eat. This is the drink we need. So stand up. (laughs) Raise your heads for the one is coming. And we are called to be ready. These three advents, he has come. He must come to your heart. And he is coming again. He will come again. So do the small things right, even today. You know, you do one small thing, like brush your teeth just once in a year. It's not going to work out for you so well. But you do that one little thing, 365 times a year, The dentist will appreciate that. At least mine does. No cavities. Not ever had any cavities. Thanks be to God. Through little bitty things done consistently. Some of us want to pack air all our Christian life into Sunday. All right. Got that done. Now I can go about my week. Forget about all that. You're missing out. You've missed the boat. When he comes back on a Tuesday, will he find us at the plow, working away, not looking back, wishing our life away, but focused on the one who has called us by name? So as we look back, see all those who have gone before us, this cloud of witness. As we look around, we can go together. We can do this together. You're not called to do it alone. It's always encouraging for me when somebody's here on Sunday. And even when nobody was here on Sunday, but just a couple of us, that was enough. I know Rachel remembers that. And we got in here and we got it done. And it was encouraging. We've got to do it together if we're going to do it at all. And we need to look forward, see our goal, see the upward call of Christ Jesus. And when you add up all the little things... It makes this big thing. <laughs> and that's the way he likes to do it. I, I'm just telling you right now, it's the way he likes to do it. We're going to hold the ground for Jesus here at Harvest Point. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to pick up and move on just because it gets bad. Like, that's not what we do. No, we've planted a flag here. We've called you all to join in with us. And you also have felt that call. And so let's go together. Let's do this thing. I'm not going to let him down. We aren't in this for each other, for fame, for glory, for self, for another, but for one purpose, Jesus. He asked us to do it. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it until he comes again. <laughs> and, if, and if he doesn't come again in our lifetime, we're going to teach our kids to keep doing it. So come on. Let's be going. And in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen.